Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective, and we have bands. Alex, are you excited? I am. I am actually really excited. This is the President's Day Massacre. It's the greatest day in magic history. Now, Alex, you're giving me a look like... That was the inverter, man. Uh, The banning with inverter was better than this, because it's like, hey, now the format isn't dead. Yeah, but like... But this banning is just like, oh, the format's now just better. Yeah, but Kethis was in that banning. It's the same, but better. Kethis, that hurt me. We've gone over this story. I was in an Uber on my way to work because my car was in the fucking shop. And I'm reading the, I got the notification. I'm on Twitter in the back seat, scrolling through. And I'm like, oh, new bands. And I'm like, inverter? Oh. It's like it's like the fucking, uh, the meme from WWE. What's his name? I don't know. I, I know exactly which one you mean. The man who like sits further and further, eventually like falls off his chair. Yeah, it's like that as I'm going through like, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going through inverter, breach, walking blister, and then it gets to Kethis and it goes right back to square one and it's even worse. I'm just like, no, no. Anyway, before we get stuck on you talking about Kethis again, which tends to happen occasionally. Yeah. As I'm sure everyone who listens to this podcast um, has figured out by now, there were a lot of bands. In total, there were... 15. Across multiple formats, there were 15 bands and an unban. Oh yeah, that's right. Surprisingly enough. Um, it's almost too much to go over everything that isn't Pioneer. It's also, we don't really know. At least I don't know too much about the formats. Um, I guess Rip Mono at Prison in Modern, but... Modern is in a great spot now. Legacy looks like it's in a cool spot. I find Redwood Arcanist as a weird band because, like, Legacy is supposed to be the super fair. Like, I don't understand enough about the format at all. To I'm surprised too. I see something that dies to plow, bolt, and push, but I guess it's still a problem. Yeah, and like no haste. So I'm just like, hmm, is it that format warping where they just need to straight up ban it? It apparently is. Good for legacy players. Glad. And then if you play vintage and you have a wallet the size of Alex's head, then uh, congrats. You it was the first thing I saw. <laughs> Like it's not that big, is it? <laughs> no, it, it's not. But it was the first thing I saw in my direct line of sight because Alex gave me the worst look. He's like, "What the fuck, dude?" <laughs> uh, but yeah, unless you have all the money in the world to play vintage, even a loan account is. <laughs> can you even loan cards on MTGO for vintage? Is that a thing? I think you can. Most vintage cards aren't that expensive, right? Uh, like who plays it anyway? Pioneer bands, lots of them. We're going to be talking about those, then a, then a rules change that, surprisingly enough, did not impact Pioneer. And then we'll go about talking about cards and decks individually. So the bands for Pioneer are Balustrade Spy, Undercity Informer, Teferi Time Reveler, Uro Titan of Nature's Wrath, as we knew, and Wilderness Reclamation. Dead. All of them. Now, yeah, I'm... Like, we talked about this last week, right? Like, if I had the strings in hand, what would I ban? Well, I called these with Mystical Dispute, but I didn't call Oops. I just didn't even think about Oops. But with all these cards gone, it's probably a good idea to have a gun. They have a rationale for it um, written. It might be... Let, let's, I'll read the statement they made on these five cards being banned. Our vision for Pioneer is to be a collection of the most fun, powerful, and iconic cards and strategies from recent standard formats. However, there is a dividing line between powerful and iconic and overbearing and unfun. In this update, we're addressing several cards and strategies that we feel cross that line and aren't representative of the play experience we'd like Pioneer to offer. Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath, 
has become one of the most dominant creatures in Pioneer, probably in Magic, and is featured in several of the most played and most winning decks. Ultimately, we feel Uro's power level is out of line with other cards and strategies available in Pioneer. Play data indicates, and community feedback supports, that the metagame will be more fun and diverse without Uro. No questions asked, right? I mean, it's a, it was at 36%, so... Yeah, I agree completely. In addition, we're taking this opportunity to ban Teferi, Time Raveler, and Wilderness Reclamation from Pioneer as cards that previously overstate their welcome in Standard. Removing Teferi Time Reveler will have the added benefit of lowering the power level of the Niftalite decks, which were among the most played and most winning archetypes. Without Teferi Time Reveler to hold them in check, we're concerned that the metagame share of Wilderness Reclamation decks would rise, so we're choosing to preempt that outcome. To be honest, this is what they did in Standard. If one goes, the other goes. Right? They keep each other in check, yeah, and in Historic, it's the same logic. Uh, nice touch on the on the Niftalite deck. I suppose they listen to the podcast or to anyone else who talks about Pioneer. Finally, we're seeing... Yeah, we'll just believe it's us. Um, I like to live in that world. Finally, we're seeing a concerning win rate and metagame share for the Oops All Spells deck, which uses Balistrate, blah, blah, they explain the deck. Given the difficulty of interacting with the strategy, it isn't easily held in check by natural metagame forces. We don't believe Pioneer can be at its most fun, with Oops All Spells being a large part of the metagame. So we're choosing to ban Balistrate Spy and Undercity Informer. To me, it's it's sound logic, right? I, there's not a single statement they've made that I disagree with. For the sake of, especially what the goal they set at the start, they want the play experience of Pioneer. These cards do not support the play experience they want in Pioneer, which I agree with. I like Pioneer more with these cards not there. It's more fun. There's something to be argued about power level with some of these. I don't, I don't think so, but I think there's a debate to be had. But I think definitely this is more fun. I would like to, um, real quick, to my own horn, because as we've seen in the past when our conversations, Alex, I love to role play as Wizards of the Coast, writing up ban announcements, mostly for memes. And I have to give credit also to Sir Epic and Nameless admins on the on the uh, on the team for MTG at home, as well as just friends of the podcast in general. This was their biggest wish list, and they basically got five for five. Yeah, I think they, they, they called everything about a month ago. They called everything. I made this write-up on the days leading up to the announcement after we knew about Uro. Um, this was uh, the 12th I wrote this. As you all know, we announced alongside the recent secret layer drop that we would be banning Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath, and Pioneer, Modern, and Historic. That will not be the only ban today in Pioneer. Over the last few months, we've had our eye on a few decks that rose atop the metagame. Those decks were Wilderness Reclamation, uh, different variants, Oops All Spells, and Four Color Omnath. We feel that with Uro gone, Four Color Omnath is held in check as it loses its plan B. So we have not decided, or we have decided to not ban anything in the deck, though we will continue to monitor Omnath himself in the coming weeks. The same cannot be said for, reclam- uh, for Reclamation. Uh, we feel the deck is too resilient, even with the loss of Uro, especially considering the new World Tree variant. So with that in mind, we have decided to ban Wilderness Reclamation. Similarly to the Wilderness Reclamation ban in Historic, we feel that Teferi Time Raveler is no longer needed in the format as its main purpose that we were okay with was to keep Reclamation in check. Otherwise, we acknowledge that Teferi is not a particularly enjoyable card to have in the format, so we are deciding to ban him as well. Now that brings us our, uh, our attention to Oops All Spells. We had fears that this deck would become the top deck in the format with the removal of Uro and Reclamation, but at this time... 
We would like to monitor the deck closely over the next 30 days. We will have another announcement after those 30 days to share a decision in the long-term existence of the deck and Pioneer. And then, because I have to close this out with a meme, finally, we have decided to unban Nexus of Fate. This was banned because of frustrating gameplay and interaction with Wilderness Reclamation, and we feel that without Reclamation, Nexus can be a palatable card for players as it is casted fairly. Obviously, I don't think they would ever fucking unban Nexus of Fate, but I it would be so funny. <laughs> but the memes, yeah. But I mean, Brad in it for the memes. Yeah. But you were kind of like you, you. I especially like how like you write like wizards writes. Dude, I've read so many stupid like ban could, announcements. You could, <laughs> like you've just gotten into Ian Duke's head, right? You write as he writes. I am Ian Duke. Now, if only you would play like he plays. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be nice. So. They touched on Niftalite in the actual announcement. Yes. And we discussed last week about Valky and its interaction with both Cascade and Bring to Light. Now, this was addressed in this BNR, but not in the way that most of us expected it to be. How did they change? What did they change, Brad? How did they address Valky? So, instead of what we thought would happen when it comes to the rule change and things like that, we expected it to be like the split cards, right? Or they just straight up change the overall interaction in how just everything works with it in general. That is not quite the way that they went about it. So instead of actually changing the way modal cards work, the same way they did split cards, they decided to just change Cascade. Cascade is a new rule change. The new wording is as follows. Cascade is a triggered ability that functions only while the spell with Cascade is on the stack. Cascade means when you cast the spell, Exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a non-land card whose converted mana cost is less than this spell's converted mana cost. You may cast that spell without paying its mana cost if its converted mana cost is less than the spell's converted mana cost. Then, put all cards exiled this way that weren't cast in the bottom on your library in a random order. So, the way that the new wording works, it sounds really similar to the original wording, but essentially, the way the new wording works is it says... It checks it a second time. So you cascade, you hit uh, Valky, and if you attempt to cast the Tybalt side, it checks it again. And it looks at the CMC of Tybalt, and it's like, no, 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 no. You're not allowed to do that. So then you can only do Valky. So that's their way of fixing it, which I suppose I'm fine with. Um, One thing that's worth noting is you can still bring to light Valky. Uh, I'm sorry, Tybalt, uh, in, in Pioneer and, and, and Magic in general. Now, Aaron Forsyth uh, did tweet in a response to someone uh, about the Cascade change. And he said, we're looking at a broader fix for cards that cast things for free. Stuff like Bring to Light can still cast to Bolt, and we may address that later when we have some time to mull it over. I could see split cards being reverted with that. And that was in response to someone saying, well, can split cards go back to how they were before? Because this whatever. Um, This essentially fixes that rule. And we'll see. This obviously does not impact Pioneer. Someone missed something then with the split cards. Because the split cards at the time were changed, I believe, not at least not only because of Cascade. They were also fixed off their interaction with um, Expertises. No, it expertise, because I remember, I think it's Beck and Call or something, which is a card that allows you to pluck something for free out of your library, and people were cheating out Emrakul with uh, Kairi's expertise. I don't know if that was a Modo bug, 
or a rules things that they had to change, but it was a deck running around on Modo for a couple days. But by the time people published their videos, it was changed. Um, but I mean, there's no Cascade and Pioneer, so this doesn't necessarily affect us. Though, what Aaron is saying about Bring to Light and their outlook of free spells in general, which I find to be funny considering you just printed Once Upon a Time a year ago. So, whatever. Yeah, they have some trouble with free spells unless they don't. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, we'll see what they do with Bring Delight. I don't think Bring Delight is necessarily a broken thing. You go from having a seven mana planeswalker to a five mana planeswalker. Whoop de doo. Um, but I don't think it's about it being inherently broken or game breaking. It's more so we don't like the way this interacts and how this fundamentally works in the game. I feel you need to future proof this. That's probably why they're looking at it. Like, yeah, Tybalt for five mana is probably okay, but so many other cards might not be in the future, right? What if there? I mean, we had like the World Tree, right, with a double Wooburg activated ability. What's going to stop them from at one point having a double-faced card where the back is double Wooburg? And it's like, what kind of crazy card would... I mean, World Tree could have literally just been World Tree on the front, that spell on the back, right? That that design could have just existed. Oh, yeah. And now that wouldn't work as the front as a land, but you get the idea. Where, like, they could have so easily put something like that on the back of a card. And then if you don't future-proof this, it's going to instantly break the moment you print a card like that. And it just makes your design process stupid. Because you can't print fun cards because like of the way the game works and i think whenever the game holds back fun design you should probably change something about the game i agree with that you want your game to be intuitive and interesting and fun and and this is great for new players yeah but also you want to give your designers as much freedom as you can give them yeah and whenever something like oh because of this weird quirky rule your design is now restricted, that's not fun for designers either. Yeah. And just the way Cascade works in general, if I was a new player and I came in, you would just assume you can't cast the backside of Valky anyway. Yeah, because that costs more. Like, And the front costs less. Yeah. So it, and it's and it's also the backside. <laughs> like, it's it's away. It's tucked away. It's, it's essentially like exile. What I do like with how they changed it with Cascade is the example they give is like the God of Passage. I forgot the name. Um... It's from the new set, the uh, Kozima, God of the Voyage, that like the front is like where the lands and the backside is the boat. That the way Cascade works now, rather than the split cards, where they've, I mean, again, we're, we'll still talk about Cascade in a second, but I suppose the same would apply if we get a similar mechanic, where you can now, like, if they would treat it like split cards, uh, Kozima would now have a CMC of six for the sake of Cas- uh, five for the sake of Cascade, and it would just never work. But because they changed the rule, it's now like you can cast either side. So it actually still works in some decks. So that is more fun. But to going over like the, the sake of the of Pioneer, um I suppose just your first takes, Brad. We're kind of already like, you know, celebrated a little bit, but like what what are your takes? What are your first takeaways? What was your first thought when you saw this? My first thought when I read it was like, yeah, that's that makes sense. Like I'm not upset about it. We've we've had reclamation on the chopping block for ages now. We knew Teferi was on that same level just because of reclamation's existence. Um, so yeah, I don't really care. Um, well, I shouldn't say I don't care in the sense of like selfish reasons, or I mean for the hell of the format. For selfish reasons, I don't care. Like I owned these decks. 
I owned Four Color Reclamation. I really enjoyed playing the deck and I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, but I'm not heartbroken to see it gone. I'm not. Uh, I've I've already been stabbed with Kethis, so like I think I don't I don't I don't care anymore. Just give me the powerful deck. I'll play it. If it gets banned, I'll go to the next one. Um, though it does it does get old. It's so it's so nice for me. I never play top tier decks, so I never have to fear about my cards being banned. Except if I was still playing modern, I would have been sniped with collateral damage. Because I played both Mystical Dispute and Field of the Dead. So at the time, like last I played Modern, so I would have been dunked. Oh, you mean Mystics, uh, Mystic Sanctuary? Uh, Mystic Sanctuary, yeah, yeah. What did I say? Mystical Dispute. I was like, dude, could you imagine if they banned Mystical Dispute in Modern? <laughs> Ooh. Uh, it's not even that good there, I think. I, I have no idea. I, I haven't played, I haven't kept close touch of Modern. Anyway. Um, yeah, it's it, it's a it's a ban. It, it's great. I think this opens up the format incredibly. Um, I put up a post on Reddit, and I was like, "Hey, now that Uro, oops, all spells to Fairy and Wreck are all dead, show me your brews." And there has been quite the response on there. Uh, I believe we're over 110 or so comments of uh, people posting their brews and deck lists. So people are excited to play Pioneer, and. Uh, I think he should be. Even Saffron Olive, Seth, is excited to play Pioneer, and he was flat out shitting on the format in the last like three months. Yeah, I um, for okay reasons, but like it was still a little frustrating from another content creator to be like downplaying a format that you like because it makes it seem worse than it is. But I get it. Well, it it also just like it steers people away from it without even trying, right? Yeah, like I, I watched a Jim Davis response to the bands. Like I'm a really big fan of Jim Davis. But then he went over Pioneer, and it was like, is Pioneer even still a format? And then he played, like, I don't know, like a laugh track on a soundboard or something. It's like, come on, don't piss on our parade. Right? <laughs> like, it, yeah, I, I said a lot. Like, even um, what's the sim- Simply Better MTG or whatever? Yeah, Dev. Um, yeah, Dev did the same exact thing. He's like, LOL, Pioneer's still a thing? It's like, yes, Pioneer's still a thing. Like, it's fucking. I, I thought even before these bands, I thought Pioneer was one of the best, like if not the best format to be playing right now. Even with Reclamation and Teferi and Oopsal Spells, I thought it was still the most fun format. It's just like, now that those are gone... It's heaven. Yeah, and I, I put out a tweet, and I'm like, is Pioneer back to being a brewer's paradise? And I think it is. I think we're back there again. I think so, too. Like, I, I, th- I think there is so much to be brewed up and so much like fun to be had. Now, like... You're winning with elves. That's all you need to know. Yeah, like, I 3-0'd both Pioneer Weeklies we've had on the server with Elves, because the deck will just, it will just refuse to lose. Like, this deck is actually, like, pretty legit. But, and this was my first thought when I, like, my my very first thought when I read these announcements, because I've been playing Elves for, like, a few weeks, and I read this, and I was like, this is huge for Elves. Like, that was just my first thought, because all these decks that were banned, dumpster Elves. Right, they were just all the worst matchups, and they are just all gone now. Now that doesn't mean there's no bad matchups left, but like definitely all the worst matchups are just they're just gone now. At least the like conventional worst ones. And I mean there's always like what's the opposite of a silver lining? Uh there's always like something bad. I like you're you're never happy when you read a BNR. You're never truly happy when there's a BNR and you see five cards being banned. 
Because you see like people losing their decks, you know, people losing their reason to play the format. I'm sure there's people who like and like adored Oops All Spells and are now like, ah, I don't, don't know if I want to play this format anymore now. I think we had someone in our server who was like when they did like the inverter ban, they were playing mono white Heliod and they really loved the deck and they just quit playing Pioneer. Yeah. They were like, yeah, I'm done with this format. This was, this, I, I love this deck. I'm done. Right. So that, that's, that's always sad. They can go to modern. I suppose, yeah, but like, there's never like a fun thing to hear. No, and it sucks. But it's like, oh, I like playing Oops All Spells. Uh, I suppose you could play it elsewhere. And like, yeah. But overall, I'm happy. I think this does a lot of good for the format. I've had friends who are like switched off of Pioneer and they read the BNR and they were also like, Pioneer's now the one I'm most excited about. Or people who had no interest in Pioneer and they read it and they're like, yo, Alex, hit me up, right? <laughs> like, is Pioneer actually like good now? And it's like, yeah, oh, it's like it's like that meme with the with space. Like, is Pioneer good now? Always has been. <laughs> and like this, like another thing to say is like, hey, if you're checking out the podcast for the first time because you maybe you stepped away from Pioneer last six months or so, and you you're excited to get back into it, and you found this podcast, awesome. What's up? Hi, thank you for joining us. Like, this is great. I think this is gonna be great for Pioneer in general. And I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of new faces on the server and just in general on the subreddit and hopefully new listeners as well for, for this cast. More mailbag questions and uh, more bad takes about Grixis from Alex. So, Or mediocre takes about a deck that doesn't exist anymore from Brad. Uh... <laughs> Please don't hurt me like that. Anyway, like, it, it just really just felt like there's collateral damage. People had their decks banned. People had their fun cards banned. And I genuinely like it sucks for these people. But this Monday, Magic as a whole became a better game. Yeah. Like, Historic is now better. Modern is better. Pioneer is better. Legacy is better. Nobody cares about Vintage. Um, like, it's... And Commander is already great. So... Yeah, Commander's fun. But, yeah, Commander's fun. Historic's weird. I, 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 I adore the format. Historic's weird. Why is Muxus still here? I don't know. I don't play the format. I just want to I just wanna, I wanna fucking bitch about that a teeny tiny bit. They nuked all these formats and then historic they're like okay well omnath was suspended he's now banned and uh uro's banned uh have fun like you still have rakdos sack and uh, uh whatever whatever historic just fucking drives me insane i just hope they hurry up and get pioneer on arena because now i'm even more excited like i want to play this format on arena Ooh, maybe dredgeless dreads come back or dredgeless dredge comes back because Oops, I suppose was just the better version. Yeah, well, let's t- let's touch on that now. Like, what what deck do you think? Let's start on with a positive note. Who gains from this? Um, the yeah, there's no particular deck that gains from this the most besides Monogreen Walkers. We can just say that Monogreen Walkers is and Boros. Yeah, and Boros, um, and maybe even Rakdos Arcanist or Pyromancer, whatever you want to call it. But first and foremost, the thing that gains the most from this is the Pioneer community, the players. Because like we alluded to earlier, I think the Pioneer is back to being a brewer's paradise. Alex, are you excited to have Siege Rhino cast against you? And you might actually lose. You might actually lose the Siege Rhino. Can I burst pe- people's bubble immediately before they get any ideas? Siege Rhino's still bad. It's bad. Yes, we. it's bad. Like, Upzon is just, Upzon just doesn't work. Yeah. Maybe you do like a Doom Foretold. Thing. It might it might even be it might even be more just Upzon being a bad color combination yeah, the, than necessarily Siege Rhino being a bad card. 
It just if Siege Rhino would be topping a good deck, it just I mean, touching about what did game. I mean, a deck like Abzan, though I would probably be in Saltai like any day of the week, mm-hmm. all gained, right? All fair decks gained. And I think it's mostly the fair creature decks. So a deck like elves, uh a deck like humans, um more to the playing to the board mid-range decks, right? You you no longer have to be afraid to tap out on turn four and just die. Oh yeah. And that's really great. So I feel like every it's mostly just every fair deck gains. Right? I felt at one point, I mean most people seem to disagree with me. I felt like like before these bands, if you're playing a control deck, Void Shatter was literally your only viable counterspell. All the other ones were bad. Solid coming is bad. Absorb was maybe absorb like absorb was probably bad neutralize was bad it was just like why aren't you playing void shatter and now i'm like there's there's options now i can i can try saw it coming oh yeah right without feeling that i'm like actively sabotaging myself and all these fair decks game so i in that way i'm super excited because i am at heart like a a fair magic player i never really I'd, I'd never play decks like Wreck that like hugely cheat on mana. I suppose Llanowar Elves is kind of cheating on mana, but like overall, I am I play fair decks. I like playing grinding people out with Elves, grinding people out with whatever mid range pile or control pile I can find. And I feel like literally every deck that I own effectively is now like just everything went up a tier. I mean, speaking of like things like Saw coming and trying new counter spells. You're no longer shoehorned into just like, well, my control list, if I'm in blue-white, starts with four Teferi. We go from there. You're no longer forced to do that. Um, I think that's a very good thing. Yeah, I put Disdainful Stroke in my deck again, and it felt great. That's wild. Like, I put Disdainful Stroke on my side court, because it's like, hey, I can bring this in and not be screwed over by Teferi on turn three, shutting off all my counter spells. Not only that, is people are going to be more encouraged to actually play bigger spells again because no one wanted to play big spells. No one wanted to play these cool, like six mana enchantments or whatever, because Teferi just comes in for three mana and goes, ha, 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 bounce. Oh, and I draw a card too. That's the tax you pay for being a fucking idiot and playing a six card, uh, six mana card. Get out of here. Yeah. Six mana card without an ETB. Get out of here. Yeah. And, but now we can actually do that. I mean, I don't recommend playing your your sundering whatever it's called. Uh, what's that? What was the card I'm thinking of? Uh, uh, so it's like the red enchantment that just like randomly puts a counter or something like that, and then like it blows up something that has a counter on it. Oh, the bombardment. Uh... Oh yeah, that I'm thinking. Of, what am I thinking of? What am I thinking of sundering? There's the there's also the phoenix card. I know, but like from Exelon. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's sun cool invocation, something like that. Yeah. Sunbird invocation. You know, don't bring out your sunbird invocation, your sandworm convergence and all those type of cards. <laughs> but like more works now. Because Teferi was just Teferi made so many cards bad. Right? When I was considering like sideboard tech, I mean last week, right? We talked about the World Tree deck. And I came up with like 15 potential sideboard cards, but half of them didn't work because Teferi exists. And it's like, as long as your opponent has a Teferi, most of these cards don't work. Because you need to play them before Teferi, like an Avon Mind Sensor, you have to play it before Teferi comes down. But then when Teferi is down, they just bounce it anyway. Mm-hmm. And so, so many of these cards wouldn't function. 
So speaking of like a brewer's paradise, I don't know if you Google, if you go to Scryfall, I don't want to see how many cards are in Pioneer. Um, That's going to be a big search result. Legal in Pioneer. Like a few thousand. Boop, boop, boop. Seven, seven point six thousand cards. I would not be surprised if Banning Teferi literally added five hundred cards to the format that you could now play that were stone cold unplayable with Teferi not there. Like I'm not talking about six man like Colossal Dread Maw because that card is still bad, but like cards that like the fir- literally going by alphabet, the very first card for Pioneer is Abandoned Sarcophagus. That's a card that doesn't work with the fairy in your format, mm-hmm. and a card that might actually work with the fairy gone. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind seeing some Jeskai cycling, dude. I love Jeskai cycling. I have that in paper. Kind of want to put it together. And now I can pick a counter a counter war over Zenith Flare rather than just being dunked for twenty and being able to do nothing about it because there's the fairy on the field. Yeah, that feels good. Yeah, I'm excited. Like this is gonna be fun and. Like, there's just cards that I, I've always wanted to be good in Pioneer because I love them in, like, standards that I played, but they were just not quite there. Like, one... Oh, my, Brad. What? A card dawned on me that I want to try and play. What's that? Karanos. Ooh. Talking about a five-mana enchantment that does nothing when you play it. It's probably still not going to be good, but God, I want to play Karanos so bad. We've seen that in sideboard text during the inverter days. Yeah, it, it was in. Uh, it was even in modern. It was a sideboard card in Blue Moon. Yeah, during Ravnica, it was a sideboard card in for Is It Phoenix. Speaking of phoenixes, um... remember playing five mana do nothing cards in modern. <laughs> That's a while. That that feels like centuries ago. <laughs> but uh, speaking of phoenix, though, um, not Arclight Phoenix. Though maybe we see Arclight Phoenix come up. Maybe um, you still have Treasure Cruise in the format. Um, What's the uh, what's the the red uh, War of the Spark card? Our promise, not our promise. Um, what something promise? The promise card. Um, finale of promise. Yes, finale of promise. Like it's not that works now. That's actually that works now with Teferi out. Yeah, you can you can play it. Um, so maybe maybe Phoenix comes back and actually can do something. Now I think they still need a little bit of something to like. They need they need like a ponder. Or like like a, like a like a some kind of card to like to push them forward, but maybe they can come back. Um, scissors can come back, uh, but one phoenix I'm excited to see. I think rekindling phoenix can be good again. I think I really like rekindling phoenix because when I was playing uh, when I was playing someone that was on rekindling phoenix a couple weeks ago, and I was play testing blue light control, and I had three fairy. Dude, you know how great it felt to sweep the board and then bounce their token with the fairy as a blue light control player? And you're like, yeah, fuck that Phoenix. You get nothing. Because it's supposed to be your sweeping uh, or your sweeper insurance. Like, it's just a card that's supposed to keep coming back. Also, by the way, uh, that wasn't a Jund list that someone was playing, like a Jund, like mid range, almost aggro that was playing Terror of the Peaks. Really cute synergy with uh, Rekindling Phoenix. So if you kill the Rekindling Phoenix and then it comes back, it triggers Terror of the Peaks if you have it on board. That, and you just ping your opponent for four. That's pretty nice. I like that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, stuff like that. Oh, speaking of Jund, I really think Jund Delirium is going to be a legit deck. I've been testing it. Egon, God of Death, is the real deal. I really think it. Uh, I really do. Like, I know Croxa and Egon eat your yard and it kind of conflicts with Delirium. 
So maybe you can try and skew it where you have a few more ways of filling your yard, but from what I've been playing. Hey, just play just just play Eagle Nest Throne of Death. Oh yeah, yeah. You it's a it's a great it's a great turn one play now if you don't have to if you don't have Thoughtseize or you're not going against Monogreen, you need to bolt bolt their elf or push their elf, I mean. So yeah, uh oh could you imagine if we get Bolt and Pioneer? Jund. Oof. Well, to be honest, with this power level being lowered. Yeah, it is. I think I think it is. Maybe Bolt is too good now. Not anymore. Like I've talked for a long time. Like, hey, I think Bolt might actually be fine in this format. No. But if Burn is top dog, if Burn is top dog, you probably don't want to give him Bolt. I just, I just want Bolt that doesn't hit face. Didn't we get that as a snow card recently? Yeah, but that requires you to have three snow permanents, and no, thank you. Mm. It's like really bad scred. <laughs> it's like really bad scred. Speaking of uh, other things that allow cards to work. On the opposite side of that, World Tree's dead now, right? There is no way to build that deck. I mean, we talked about it last week, and I just dis- discussed like maybe there is just an hour of promise build that like legitimately fairly gets to ten lands, but that feels like a lot of work. Yeah, like I would rather just hour of promise for Shrine of the Forsaken Gods and cast an Ulamog, mm-hmm. like the standard deck. Remember Gruul Ramp and standard around uh, the Amonkhet times. Like I would probably look towards a deck similar to that if I were building it. But I, I feel like the World Tree can work, but you really need to put in a lot of effort now, rather than sort of being like so easy to get out early. Especially you're not fast anymore now. There's no there's no nut draw yeah. that like gets you there on turn five. Like it's gonna take like a lot of like <laughs> manual labor to get your way to uh, <laughs> to your roll tree. Prismatic prism, pioneer staple. <laughs> We're back. God get uh do you okay. I know I'm bouncing all over the place a little bit. I just had this thought. Prismatic Prism, we saw with Arkham Astrolabe that a one mana version of Prismatic Prism essentially is really, really good. Do you think a legitimate one mana version of Prismatic Prism? Like without snow? Without snow. No. Too good? No, it's bad magic. Um, when Astrolabe was played a lot, and I watched a lot of SCG coverage, and I heard Patrick Sullivan talked about it, and I completely agree. Generally, these like really cheap cards that just put like stuff on the board are generally not good magic. Because you just end up with like a thousand permanents and none of them really do anything. And generally, especially if they're colorless and they like filter your mana, like they just like, they end up everywhere. I think a one mana prophetic prism would just end up everywhere. I would probably play it, right? <laughs> like, because it could, being able to filter your mana like that. So it would probably just, it's just kind of bad magic. That's why prophetic prism in that way is balanced. And there's no line to draw there. Because you would rather have a one and a half mana prophetic prism, but outside of an unset, that doesn't exist. God, I would really like that. One thing I... Could you imagine the next unset, they print like less prophetic astrolabe, and it's a one and a half mana card that does the exact same. And you pay one and a half mana to filter into one and a half mana of any color. How the f*** would half mana work? I mean, they did it in an unset before. There's cards that cost half a mana. I don't like that. <laughs> just. I mean, you're just floating. You're just floating the other half in the meantime. That's just weird. <laughs> I don't like it. It it makes my brain just no, no, no. Would you be able to cast explosion where X is twelve and a half? I would draw half a card. Just rip a card in half. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> There's your half. Damn, I drew the non-escape version of Uro. 
Oh my god. I just drew Uro, Titan of what the hell is this art, and nothing else. I yeah. But to, to get back to just the bands in general, I'm I'm really excited. There I think there's gonna be a lot of decks that pop up. Pioneer's gonna be in such the next 90 days are gonna be probably the most exciting 90 days of Pioneer we've had. Back to like the original. Except for the first 90 days. This is literally going to be the most exciting bar the first 90 days. Potentially more exciting than the first 90 days. I, I think it could be more exciting because we kind of got rid of... Because remember, Sam Black was like, hey, if you're looking at a deck back in the beginning of the Pioneer, he's like, and you sit, can sit there and tell yourself, yeah, this doesn't need to be banned. You're doing it wrong. Restart. Try again. I'm not sure if we're there because th- this this format isn't as volatile. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. That's That's why this is... That that's why this is better. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam Black was saying that in the beginning of Pioneer, saying you should be trying to get cards banned. Where now the cards that need to be banned, can you honestly sit there and tell me with a straight face, with utmost certainty, any card in Pioneer right now that's legal that you're like, yeah, I can see this getting banned right now? Mm, no, I can't think of a single one where I'm like, yeah, ban it. I still think dispute, but that's because like stupid gameplay, not ridiculous overtuning, right? Like, yeah. Like uh, not like ridiculous power level. Ignoring your perfect world of like how magic should be played and what you think is best for the game in general, that's R and D discussion. I'm talking about like gameplay. Like, does this card need to be banned? Does it make the format better? Which I guess you could kind of argue, yes, that dispute does do that. But realistically, what's the most powerful card in Pioneer now? But even like dispute isn't even like super fundamental, right? Yeah, it's like even if they ban dispute, that's just like yeah, it's better now. But like, there's no deck that's like, oh no, my deck doesn't work because Mystical Dispute is gone. So like, fundamentally, I think like every deck you can find now is probably a deck that's okay. So I, I do get that does actually make it more fun because I remember at the start of Pioneer, sometimes you'd go to like an FNM and someone would be playing a deck and they would be doing really well. And sort of like the talk right between the tables was like, yeah, that guy's deck's gonna be gone next week. Yeah. And that's kind of unfun because it makes you feel like, yeah, I lost to this guy, but obviously I lost because it's going to be banned next week. Yeah. Right. And that that's gone now. There's no ley line of abundance. There's no copter. Or field of the dead where you're like, yeah, yeah, you have a thousand zombies. Have fun next week finding a new deck. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got, I, I swept your board and then you just played another land and you have seven more zombies again. This is, this is great. This is fine. <laughs> field dead, I think would have been fine if it was a legendary land. So... I think it would have been fine. To keep things on track a little bit, are there particular decks that you now feel like they might lose, maybe because they lost cards, or maybe because they really fit in well attacking this current meta, and now they no longer do? Niftoite. Yeah. That- it's dead. It's a dead deck now. You, 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 actually, you actually think it's dead? I've been saying for a year. I think it's 100% dead. I think it's at best tier two. At best tier two. I think, and I've been, like I said, I've been saying this for the better part of a year. This is not a Niv-Mizzet deck. This is not a Bring Delight deck. It is a Teferi deck. This is a Teferi deck. It holds that deck together so perfectly. And not only did you lose the, the card that protects the fundamental way of your deck's like functionality, you lost your plan B. You lost your ability to like stop aggro from getting under you. you it's dead. It's so glass cannony. It, it it's so slow. It it's dead. It's not good. I feel like because we we talked about it last week, right? And I I would be surprised if the deck survives. I mean, it 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 didn't lose Valky, which is a which is a gain. 
And I still feel like, especially with Teferi gone, there is now more potential for something like Asika, right? The World Tree? Yeah. Uh, the Prismatic Bridge, sorry. Like, the Prismatic Bridge might be, like, a better card now. So, Niv to Light is such a powerful, like, interesting card. I would not be surprised if they figure out another way to make this deck work. Yeah. But I, I do agree that Teferi, losing Teferi was probably, like, the biggest. And we talked about this, like, all the way, like, almost a year ago now, probably. If not a year ago. Where, we, where I discussed, right, and we discussed together, like, hey, Teferi's fine as long as it holds Niv together. Well, that has definitely changed. But I would also be surprised if Niv actually lives after this. But, it, like, I would be somewhat surprised, but I also wouldn't be. You know, just like every time they found new tech against Upsol spells, and you're like, yeah, that does it. And then next week, they're like, nope, we run Pithing Needle now. And you're like, what? <laughs> Which is why I drew comparison to Upsol spells with Inverter. Like I was saying, the adaptability was just fantastic of how well they could transform their sideboard plan and just even some main deck options. But going back to Niv to Light, the reason I think it's dead, because you bring up a good point. Yeah, they could probably tailor the deck to like function in a different way and still work and function as a deck and, and exist, right? Which is why I say at best it's tier two. The reason they'll never be tier one again, and I honestly think it's a rogue deck at this point, not tribe, but it's rogue. Um, yeah, yeah. Is because Teferi and Uro existing in that deck means that Niv to Light is has the same thing of uh, of Mono Green, where it doesn't necessarily have a bad matchup. Besides, with Mono Green being Thought Season Fatal Push, Mono Black is like haha. Uh, but they can also overwhelm Mono Black even with that. But with Niv, they never had a bad matchup. They didn't have necessarily that many matchups or really any matchups in which you could say, oh yeah, Niv stomps that deck, right? But it hung in there with every single matchup because you have a card that inherently is your best card with both Uro and Teferi against control, mid-range, and aggro. Teferi a little bit less of an extent against aggro, but that balance ability against stuff is so important in Niv. Even though you might go against something with haste, and you bounce a card with haste, right? But you're forcing your opponent to spend mana recasting that creature instead of bolting you in the face. You're slowing them down enough where you draw yourself a card and you're trying to accelerate your game plan to just be like, I play a 6-6 on turn four, hopefully, and you can't do anything about it. And then I can start escaping Uro and look at that. My hand is full of all this removal and stuff like that. And I can just stall off burn and I'll win and beat you down with a 6-6. Rather than being able to do that now, Let's say they tailor themselves like, okay, we need to make sure we're great against burn. And they tailor their main deck to be like, burn, we will not lose to you. But then you're bad against the other three archetypes. You cannot build Niv in a way where it's balanced anymore against all types of decks. You can only tailor it to being, I'm going to just stomp on control. I'm going to stomp on burn. But then no matter what you do with your sideboard plan, I don't think you can do it enough where you are balanced against both burn or just aggro in general and control or combo or mid-range even. I don't think you can. So maybe you can say Niv is now a meta call deck and when it, it'll have its day like under the sun, right? Where like it, it tops a challenge because it tailored itself to be like, I'm going to just absolutely dominate burn this week. And there happened to be 16 burn decks in, in top 32. And it just, it got there. But then there's going to be the next week where there's a bunch of blue light control and Esper control. And Niv's like, yeah, I suck. There's a bunch of disdainful strokes running around. It's like, oops, all my spells cost four mana. Exactly. All my relevant spells cost four mana. That's why I think the deck is bad now. Yeah, I've, I, it's it's definitely a 
it's a big loser in the decks that didn't just die, right? Reclamation, like, obviously they banned Reclamation, so that deck's literally dead. I mean, it might be back in, like, some other form, but Reclamation doesn't exist because Reclamation is gone. But Uro's really big, where Niv is now a really big loser, despite still existing. Yeah. Now, another pretty big loser, and this this is a loser in, in multiple ways, I feel like, um, but they're a bit, like, time-dependent. So Blue-White Control, I feel like, is a pretty big loser. Uh, for multiple reasons. First of all, they lost Teferi, right? Teferi is just a generically powerful card. Another good thing about Teferi is that it was really good against other control decks, right? That decks that weren't blue-white. So they were good. It was like it made the mirror from the perspective of like, you know, me playing Grixis or Demir. Is it like some like deck that didn't have Azorius colors in it? Um has a really hard time winning that matchup because once the fairy sticks, you're bone. And that's gone too now. Another part about it is that obviously we're in a new metagame, right? Control's bad at the beginning of a metagame because it's like the Wild West. Right, that's fair. I think another point, this is like a card that I feel like is a little bit of a silent loser, though I still think it's a great card. And it's Shark Typhoon. Because I feel like Shark Typhoon really had its had like a big edge against the fairy. It was like the card where they play it to fairy you let it resolve, or like you have to let it resolve, they get greedy, they downtick it, and you cycle a Shark Typhoon and you kill it. It even was just a card that gave you something to do, even though you had to ferry Static out. And in that sense, I feel like the card is potentially a pretty big loser. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad card, but in that way, it definitely lost. Also because it went into Reclamation, right? It was a really good card in Reclamation. It was the only X-Spell that was run in Salt Eye Reclamation. So get them now, I guess. I, they're probably still going to be expensive because it's a hell of a good card. It's a very good card. And I mean, yeah, that that's a very good point. So I think maybe the percentage of Shark Typhoon being played maybe goes down. But honestly, I could see it goes up. I think Shark Typhoon could... Well, I could now see Shark Typhoon being a card that is like... When I would build a control deck and I would like consider... I, I, I got this idea because I was looking at a Nif Delight list. And I saw a card like Ashiok Nightmare Muse in the sideboard. And I feel like Ashiok Nightmare Muse is like in the right metagame is an unbelievably good card. Like if you're playing it against like, like for example, it was really good when Blue White was around. It was the thing Demir did to beat mm. Mono White. I mean, to beat Mono White. And I feel like in a meta where there's like maybe a lot of White Weenie or even just like creature decks like, I don't know, Elves or Humans or other things running around. I feel like in that type of metagame, Ashiok's really good. But when you're building a control deck, it almost started with four Shark Typhoon, or at least like a high number of Shark Typhoon, where I now feel like Shark Typhoon is now in the mix a little bit more, where it used to be like a step above everything else. And it's like your deck probably runs some copies of Shark Typhoon. I can now see you go to a tournament and you decide to run none, and it could actually be the right call, where I feel like before running zero Shark Typhoon was a mistake. So in that way, Shark Typhoon, as a card, took that hit. That doesn't mean that it's a bad card. It's still great. And it's still one of the better control win conditions, probably. Yeah. I I mean, we talk about Jeskai Cycling. And that, that card is so good in Jeskai Cycling. Oh, God, I love it. Yes. Dude, I think that's such a fun deck. Like the control variant, where you just go like, okay, you have your foxes. You, have, you play all the hieroglyphic illuminations. Uh, yeah. Stifle Burn in the main deck. Sensor, Zenith Flare neutralize oh yeah um oh so you don't have to run counterfailing winds that's great i didn't even think about that i suppose you can run counterfailing winds but eh. i wonder if um 
it makes me think of like some some cards that mono not mono white i'm sorry uh blue white control can like start running now um starting unleashed seems interesting that they can start like i feel like blue white can go into this different territory now it's weird to think about how like you lose a card like teferi and that can fundamentally like just change your deck building process right i mean we were talking about six mana sorceries or six mana enchantments and stuff being like unlocked now. But cards like Star Arm Unleashed, cards that make big tokens are also way better now. Yeah. Now, what is, is it like Freya Freya's Retribution or something? The Ors of Enchantment that makes an angel. Yeah, that's better now. Yeah, that's, not, that's not very good if someone bounces your angel. Yeah. And that card just works now. That's like in the 500 cards that have been added to Pioneer. Things that make big tokens. I mean, with uh, Kaldheim, we got like the card that like, that's, there's that saga that copies one of each token. And maybe there is like a big token strategy now. Right, or at least the, those cards become better. Things that make like three, three beast tokens, four, four angel tokens. Like those cards are all better now. Selesnia tokens. I mean, Selesnia tokens kind of made like a thousand tokens, right? So it didn't matter as much that the fairy bounds won. Oh yeah, I, I'm, yeah, but I'm just thinking that as like a deck that could actually function in Pioneer now. Yeah, because because people go like stop doing this over the top stuff yeah where they're like i'm gonna play an anger on three and a wreck on turn four and you're toast now that actually might be Ooh, i'm, I'm imagining bant uh selesnia bant selesnia tokens yes <laughs> uh bant selesnia tokens yes it will be registered as like white green white green blue yeah i'm, I'm just thinking of like you go bant because you can run um what's it called you literally just do it just to play. Oh my god, the draw spell. The draw spell. Yes, Inazorius. the draw spell. In Azorius. The one that gains you life. Sphinx's Rev. Yeah, Sphinx, I, I don't know why I blanked on that name. Yeah. Why would you run Sphinx's Rev in a token deck? It just makes sense in my brain. I don't know why. You'd do it. You know, March of the Multitude has Convoke, right? That's why it's good. Yeah. Imagine if Sphinx's Rev had Convoke. Um, Ooh, imagine if Sphinx's Rev had Delve. <laughs> yikes. Uh, but obviously, like other <laughs> other decks in the categories of wins and losses. Again, speaking from an early meta game, uh, expect a lot of aggro. Uh, you should probably be playing aggro. Um, something like Ors of Auras is like gonna absolutely run away with things. Pay attention to it. Um, and losers are the more tempo-y reactive decks for a similar reason. As to we're going into new meta game, so you're probably a bit less well off playing something like Azorius Spirits. While I don't think it's a bad deck. You're obviously like targeting things. It's like, oh, is Spell Queller good in the meta now? It's like, it's hard to tell. Right? We're in, we're in a new meta. It's hard to tell. Where do you feel Spirits is? Because I, th- I think Spirits. Okay, let's, let's real quick. Okay. Well, let's, actually, it, let's look at the top. What, what is your top five? Like, if you could say, based on decks existing now, ignoring possible new decks, what is your top five of Pioneer decks? Um, Hard to put in a particular order, but it's it's the first easy one is Mono Green Plates, Walkers, and Burn. Yeah. Because they didn't lose anything. I feel like Rectal's Arcanist is probably pretty good. Also for a reason where I feel like people are going to trim on Graveyard Hate, meanwhile Croxa still exists. So it's yep. like, you know, maybe people even trim just like, you know, three Scavenging Oozes, two Scavenging Ooze now. Well, th- that's still a gain, right, from the perspective of a Rectal's Pyromancer deck. Um, so Rectal Spiromancer, Monogram Planeswalkers, Burn, uh, Mono Black Vampires, I feel like is a very big winner, especially going into a more uh, 
at least like aggro heavy period aggro centered where i feel like it had the same issues that i like now experience with decks like elves is that it was really bad against niv mainly niv Right, I have a friend of mine who plays a lot of mono black vampires. He's played a lot of mono black vampires, mm-hmm. and he just could not beat Niv. The deck would just go way over him, and his deck was too fair. And mono black vampires is is a really big winner in that regard. Uh, so that's probably the fourth one, and as a fifth one, it's hard to tell. I would probably stick to something like Ors of Auras. Uh, I feel like Ors of Auras has a pretty good matchup against both Burn and Mono Green. Um, mm. it's pretty good against vampires. You might get a point where you start like main decking some apostle of purifying light because I also feel like mono black aggro gained again, like established deck didn't lose anything. Uh, but in the mono black department, I would favor vampires over mono black aggro. However, I have made that call in the past and have been wrong. So <laughs> maybe mono black is still better than mono black vampires. But I would once again put my money on mono black vampires and not mono black aggro. Soren is now uh, again taking the spot of the best three mana planeswalker and pioneer. Yes, Soren is crazy. He's so good. Like yes, Narsa is a is Kanta land on a planeswalker but like and god narset's good also um i'm interested in going into like a four of narset in boy control and just going days undoing and just in doing that no okay oh alex in my playtesting days undoing not saying it's bad by the way but huh, instead of like that's the no, no days undoing is legit now you know why days undoing is legit the problem i had with days undoing before in that kind of deck in narset wheels was the fact that like if my opponent has an established board, I have to sweep them first and then days on doing, right? Yeah. Now you have Doomscar. You can foretell Doomscar, wheel them, and sweep them. And you know you have a sweeper in your hand. Yes. That's kind of nice. I like that. You have your sweeper now. That's sexy. It's so good. I, re- I, I, I like it. And I also put a one of a uh, approach in there because I fucking love approach so much. It's one of my favorite cards of all time. Wouldn't you play that? I mean, I was thinking you need quite a few. Wouldn't you play in like a band shell? So you can like grow spiral and stuff. Ooh, I do like that. Oh, yeah, you can go into that grow spiral. Um, this feels like the point where you want like eight or nine mana. Yeah. To be able to do everything you want to do in a turn and just like eight or nine mana and now you're out of the game. So I probably want like... Tamiyo. Maybe, maybe you can run Fog. Sounds like it would have been a good rec deck. Huh? Um, Fog's legal. Actual Fog. Yeah, Fog's legal. Oh, could you imagine if they made a foretell fog? Wait, didn't they? Uh, I think it's bad. I don't think so. I think it's bad. But I mean, a foretell fog has the same logic, right? But it's much cheaper. Yes. So you can you can foretell fog. I mean, we can talk about this other deck that you brought up before we started recording too. That also very heavily relies on Doom Foretold uh, on uh, foretell, not Doom Foretold. I guess also a deck that got better. Um, Dream Devourer. Yeah, Dream Devourer. Goes into the category of slower deck um, that could definitely use like the time it gained now to like especially not be comboed out by an Oopsel spell style deck. Yeah, I yeah, there is no fog type effect of Fortel. I'm looking right now. Um there's not that many Fortel cards as you we thought. You have Mammoth Growth, um Nico Defies Destiny, Rise of the Dreadwarns, obviously really good. Serral's Packmate. Just uh, to draws a card. I wish we got some. Uh, I wish some of these commander cards were legal for Forto. Like uh, Ethereal Valkyrie. That's cool. I like that one a lot. I do wonder now that we get these. 
because there's there's some sort of a shift away from they say like oh yeah what what we want pioneer to be right? and they've taken away combo decks uh now they took oops all spells away as a combo deck still have lotus field though yeah i was about to say that meanwhile lotus field is still out there mm-hmm. now it's it has a minimal metagame share i think it's like two percent oh i think that i think that cracks my top five to be honest i think that hits number five yeah i was about to say like maybe i mean i i would say it's not number five now it could very easily be number five in two weeks yeah because people are gonna totally forget about it and they're like yeah yeah you know we we don't do co-. you know it's the uh, we we referenced plenty of memes already, but the the Wakanda one, yeah, we don't do that here. And then, like, if people are like, oh, should I play combo? It's like, we don't do that here. And then, yeah, there you go. Randomly, Lotus shows up. Winoda still exists, by the way. Dude, I I think Winoda is severely underrated. Um, you just think like as a whole, like people should just even in the previous meta, should people should be playing more Winoda? Yes, I think I think Winoda. I was shocked that because we got. We got all the pathways now. The mana base is probably like as perfect as it can get without fetches currently um, in its current state because we have all the color pathways for Naya. Um, I think, God, I think Winota is severely underrated. Uh, a scary deck. Um, yeah, I, I would I would keep an eye on Winota. If you, if you want to build Winota too, might as well. Like it's a fun deck too. Um, not very fun to play against, but it does create some interesting lines. Actually, I, I've actually had fun matches against Winota because it's not necessarily like that deck where you just feel really bad to lose to because you can kind of you know see it coming. You know, there is there is one thing that I really despise when I play against Winota, and it's when people put Hactos in their deck. <laughs> like that's what I truly hate Winota. I feel like that was standard Winota. I've I've seen it in Pioneer. Really. I've lost to it. Yeah. And people just randomly flip out this Hackthos and it's like, wow, this guy has protection. For, and like, I think he rolls a number between one and four and he has protection from everything but that number, right? Yes. Yeah. He's awesome. So I, I had two of them in limited and I easiest. So you're sitting there, right? Yeah. In your eternal format with like everything being cheaper and cheaper and cheaper. Mm-hmm. And then he rolls a four and you're like, yeah, I don't have any cards that are four. Yeah, because I'm playing in eternal formats. Everything's one, two, and three. Why would I run Vrassus Contempt? Yeah, exactly. Why? Why would I? Why would I do this to myself? And it's like better find my sweeper. Yeah. Oh wait, that does damage too because I'm playing red and I have Hour of Devastation in my deck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Silly man. Yeah, Hactos is really cool. I, yeah, Winota is really cool. Oh, Hactos is not cool. Hactos is everything that's going to be wrong with the D and D set. Right, if we get that, where we're gonna go, where we're gonna play a card, and it's gonna require me to roll one d four plus two, and like, <laughs> and it's gonna have like, it's gonna deal like, I could just imagine they're gonna print like a magic missiles card, and it's literally just gonna work like magic missile. Like you get to assign one d four plus one damage to three targets. <laughs> oh wait, I actually, hopefully not with the random with the dice rolling part. I just thought of a mechanic that's probably going to be in a D&D set. I might hate this. That's upcasting spells. No, you, you get in, in, in D&D, you've got the system with spell slots, at least if you're playing like a mage. Uh-huh. Maybe ties in with Strixhaven. And you can cast like a fireball, which is a level 3 spell by default. But if you cast it like a level 4 spell, it's more powerful. Oh, so level up, but on, on instance. Which would be very similar. Yeah, it would be very similar to uh, something like Multi-Kicker. Hmm. Like multi-kicking a spell would feel very D and D when it's like it does you know one damage plus two damage for every time you kick this. 
that would be like super flavorful for uh for dnd what about a level mechanic where it it's like it goes back to counting the graveyard so like uh frantic inventory where like okay every time you cast a spell it counts how many other copies of this card in the graveyard and that's the level it it, it, uh, it activates yeah it could be some of that but i, I can imagine it's read like upcasting spells yeah now I, when i play dnd i exclusively play a wizard so I don't know how relevant upcasting is for other classes. <laughs> I think it's relevant. No idea. Warlocks do it. <laughs> My other guy's a paladin and he just blows everything that does damage in like the first turn in combat and then everything dies and he's done. So I will say, uh, going back to like Lotus and combo in general, are there any combo decks that you feel like are viable or like that actually could have legs in Pioneer thanks to Teferi being gone? Power Stone Shards yeah, back on the no, menu, no, boys. No, we're going to not do that. <laughs> Um, what do you think about uh, what do you think about a paradox engine combo, for example? I kind of feel like that deck's worse, and I feel like a lot of combo decks get worse because counter spells get better. True, and that's the thing that these decks can be like really bad against. Right, if you try and resolve like a five mana paradox engine, you are not very happy that people might be running more copies of the Stainful Stroke now. So I think it might actually make a lot of these decks worse. Because a just counter spells just got better with this uh, this announcement, and they got more diverse. Mm-hmm. Because, for example, you don't have just a void shatter, but maybe people find a room to run like a disallow, and now they can even stifle something if need. Be. Thousand year storm, let's do it. I mean, fits the bill. I have uh, I have foil, thousand year storm. So fancy. That sounds fun. I just pulled it in a box. I was like, yeah, this is going to be cool to keep on for like eight years and then watch it go up to like $30 because some EDH deck uses it. <laughs> yeah, I like, uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like decks that will just pop up or could potentially come back. And I keep going back to Dredge with Dredge. That's what I keep going back to. I think that could actually work. Balagad Recovery is kind of interesting to me in that because the biggest problem I had with Dredge with Dredge is like you sideboard cards in and then you just mill all of your sideboard cards. <laughs> so like having... <laughs> Having a land that could potentially get stuff back, or maybe maybe you for you to for you to mill it over and then you can cast it. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes. But like you get the yeah, you get more hits, right? Yeah. Like now, now Balagat recovery is like drawing any sideboard card. Yeah. So that's interesting to me. I I remember seeing some versions run like uh like delirium, just run traverse because you you're, you're gonna fill your yard anyway. But yeah, that was one of my favorite decks in the beginning of Pioneer was Dredgel Stridge. That was my first uh, top in an FNM. I, I, I got to an FNM late by two minutes. And the guy was like, instead, because I texted him like, hey, can you hold the event for me? I'm literally like, I'm on the road. I'm about to turn in. He's like, nope. And they started. I walk in. They were 30 seconds into round one. And he's like, yeah, you can you can sign up. You just get a round one loss. And I was like, you're a dick. So because uh, my other LGS never had a problem doing that for any player. But whatever. And uh, I ended up joining, took the round one loss, ran the table, got the top four, one top four. And I was like, yeah, it was the best feeling ever. Except prize support was Ravnica Allegiance. And I opened three mythics. <laughs> it was two, uh, the dragon or whatever with Riot. And then one mesmerizing Benthid. And I was like, out of all the goddamn mythics, I could have gotten this shitty fucking set. I didn't get Hydrocrasis. I didn't get any, any shock lands in the rare slot. No, no, no. I got these mythics. Damn it. So that kind of brought my night down a little bit after that. But I would, but anyway, boosters are for drafting. Yeah. As, as the professor would tell you. Or for price support, I suppose. Um, 
yeah, like for for a lot of other decks, I'm just trying to look at like older decks that are being played. It's it's obviously really hard to tell as I said, going into this new meta. But if I would give someone advice, that like, hey, I want to play the challenge or I want to play in some other events, um, more than ever, as always, play a proactive deck. I, I I cannot imagine it being a wrong choice to pick burn. That's probably the safest choice, pick burn. Because even Mono Green Planeswalkers is gonna have to reconsider its wishboard. Yeah. Kind of based on the meta. So that could still like, you know, be thrown for a loop somehow. I don't see how burning your opponent in the face is ever gonna be a bad idea. Burn is fun. We do like just burning people out. Also, um, what's it called? Featherless Feather. I like oh, I found a burnless oh, who ran this? McWinsoles, what a fantastic name. I've read that name online more often. Finally did the thing. I was reading at an old uh an old Boros burn list, one well, old one, but like quote unquote old as in old format. They finally did it. There's I think I've seen it before. There's four wild slash and one shock. <laughs> that just makes me happy. Because if there's a potential to play eight of a card, just like statistically, four is probably never right. Or at least four isn't always right. It's like you sometimes see lists that run four Lanowar Elf and no Elvish Mystic. And it's like, what made you decide that four was the right number? Because usually it's easy. It's like, well, because I want to run as many as possible. It's like, yeah, but you can run eight. It's like, yeah, but I don't want to run eight. Yeah, so, but not wanting to run eight is not the same as running four. Yeah. So it just makes me feel happy. So we went over who gains, went over who loses. We pretty much started the next topic of like decks that we consider coming back. This was actually talking about like decks we could build. We've mentioned Elves. You're high on that deck and just things like that. Um, you mentioned Power Stone Shard. Uh, and then I've... Uh, I mean, for the record, deck's bad, <laughs> but it is fun. Uh, I've talked about Jun Delirium. Um, are there any other decks that you're like, yeah, I'm, I, I actually am interested in building it. Like, I really am in considering at least proxying up the deck and trying it out or even building it in paper. Yeah, so... Again, but the first one I want to start off is like it's building, it's tweaking, not building, because obviously Grexis control. Yeah. But I'm just so happy that I can now change my deck without having to like worry about Teferi with literally every card I put in my deck, because it was such a prevalent card that makes me very happy. I was already kind of like starting to just brew decks regardless, so I already had already had dwarves. I feel like that could uh, that could use some love uh, and some more tweaking. Uh, humans, I've mentioned uh, something maybe trying out like Blood Sky Berserker. Might be a fun card. Uh, Rally the Ancestor Zombies is a card that someone on the server recently brought up. And when I read it, I was like, Ooh. you know what? Yeah. like we sh- I should probably put that back together. Um, well, next, I've been messing around with Goldspan Dragon combo, but that's obviously a meme. Aside from that, yeah, I I don't think there's a particular particular deck now because I already own so many. And as I said, I was already kind of like brewing regardless because I don't I don't enjoy any of the top decks that we're playing. I don't like Uro. I don't like Reclamation. I don't like Teferi. For me, it's mostly the fact that I now feel like a lot of my brewing matters. I felt like with all the decks I made, initially Elves, but that turns out to actually be a good deck, but especially a deck like Dwarves, I was kind of like brewing in a bubble because I was like, I know this deck doesn't work, but I just want to make the best out of it. And now I feel like with more decks, it's like, you know what? This might actually work. And now I don't feel like I'm wasting my time. I have a question for you. Well, what do you think about Grixis Giants? Why would you be black? Croxa. Oh, uh, yeah, Croxa's a giant. Um, also, also better sweeper, like sweep of removal um, like from the sideboard. Like, I'm thinking black for Croxa. Like, you're, you're basically based in Is It. Splash black for Croxa, and then you have access to Thought Season Fatal Push. 
and you can go into this control game. Sounds cool. It sounds like a good face for a tap-out control deck, which is also, like, better now. Yeah, and then you can hold up Cyclone Summoner, and, like, even, like, Thrix the Sudden Storm might be might be okay <laughs> to actually play now. That's so wild to me. Oh, my goodness. Like, I'm intrigued by this. Just like, Before, we were thinking Teamer, right? Because Uro and Beanstalk Giant, things like that. Um... But like now I'm thinking Yeah, with Uro being gone, you lose a big draw yeah. to playing Giant because because Giant was predominantly an is it. Yeah. And then you have the, the spells. I think it got some green payoffs, right? But there's not many. I really I really yeah, Beanstalk Giant's the biggest green payoff. Um I really think that, that uh the two sagas are legit. Um especially the two drop saga for Giants. Okay, I think that's uh I mean yeah, Greg Greg's Giants does sound cool. Sounds like a cool face. Is that again like cool face for tap out? Yeah, tap out control or more like it's only more mid rangey than it is control. Also, Battle of Frost and Fire seems legit. Battle of Frost and Fire is the sweeper. That's the sweeper. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the saga. First one deals four damage to all non giant creatures and each planeswalker. Each planeswalker is a big thing. And then the next thing is Scry three, um, which like cool. And then whenever you cast a spell, convert a mana cost five or greater. This turn, draw two cards, discard a card. Um, but I'm really into Invasion of the Giants. Chapter one is Scry two. Chapter two, draw a card. You may reveal a giant from your hand. When you do, Invasion of Di- Giant deals two damage to target opponent or planeswalker. And then the third chapter is next giant spell you cast this turn. Cast or is two less to cast. So it turns, you know, like that giant six drop giant um, uh, into a four drop. You can and you can play on turn four, um, which is why this card's good in Primeval Titan in uh, in Modern or was. I don't know if it's still. Oh, you guess prime time. Yeah, um, almost surprised that card didn't go for Modern. By the way, just from hearsay. Yeah, I mean, I think they've probably felt it was hit enough. But yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued by Giants. Whew. Cyclone Summoner. And you were building Jund. Probably still going to be working on the Jund list too, I suppose. Yes, I'm still working on Jund. I still think Egon is really legit. Um, I'm just trying to figure out. Do I've had this battle for the last year playing this deck? Do you play four Croxa? Do you play three Croxa? It's <laughs> literally <laughs> the list always is. And I know you hate it because of the simple fact that I'm playing three Traverse, and you're like, why would you not play four? <laughs> Yes. Uh, but yeah, I, three traverse is always fun. Why would you not play Demonic Tutor as a four-off? Because um, your your Delirium plan is like a little bit more on the back burner now. Because what the only way of filling your yard is uh, Seder Wayfinder and then just naturally doing stuff through removal in that mid-range plan. Um, but maybe you can go in a direction. Uh, and you do have the flip side of uh, Egon, the throne, which is really cool in the deck, by the way. Really nice. Um, so yeah, maybe you could go into a, a little bit more ways of filling your yard and making the delirium work a bit better. Um, uh, one person actually it was Epic that recommended, because uh, I think it was Epic. No, it was uh, it was Emrion, uh, formerly known as Circio. I'm pretty sure. Uh, recommended uh, Magmatic Chandler as the uh, the replacement for Jace instead of like Soltai or Jun. So that's like your Jace in the deck. So I thought that was thought that was intriguing oh um my only downside of that is like the exiling part uh of uh, of what mathematic does so that kind of feels bad um could you imagine if it was uh if like it exiled the cards you can cast them but like it just put them into your grave after instead <laughs> like that that should be like <laughs> uh but yeah i think jund is i really think jund can be legit in pioneer 
and I think having the uh, the only Titan for the time being until we go back to Theros and they give us um, uh, Flag and uh, Scotha. <laughs> so you think I'm fucking around? But those are the names. <laughs> Wait, what? Are they the names of the other giants? Yeah, there are two other elder giants, two other Titans on Theros. Flag, um, the Titan of uh, uh, Whirlwind Flames, and then Scotha, the Titan of Eternal Dark. Hey, that's for your Grixis giants. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, I already did. I send you. OK, Alex, I I did a thing and I, I became the thing I swore I would never become. I made a custom card. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I made a custom card. Run, run, people run. Um, I'm going to send it to you. Run while you can. I'll even I'll put a link of it in the in the description. But I made Scotha, Titan of Eternal Dark. Uh, Alex, you want to read it for the people and see if it's broken? Sure. So, Skull's that title of Eternal Dark, legendary creature, elder giant, yada yada yada. What enters the battlefield, sacrifice unless it was escaped. It should be when, should be whenever, but... When Skotha enters the battlefield or attacks, mill each opponent three cards, choose one and exile it. You may cast cards exiled by Skotha for as long as the card remains exiled, you may spend mana as though or mana of any type to cast that spell. Holy crap, <laughs> that card is insane. <laughs> yeah. like, that card is actually bananas. Yeah. You're literally just like... That's that's just Gonti. Uh-huh. Just Gonti every time he enters, and then every time he attacks, he's Gonti. Mm-hmm. You feel like this is okay, Brad? Yes, and I want to see it in Pioneer. Imagine Demir control with this card. I, I love how you always how you said like, oh yeah, you know, people when they design custom cards are always like super overpowered and they do way too much. And then your first design is this shit. Yes, I love it. And this is evidence that designing magic arts is a really hard job. Yeah, it's really hard. Um, like, I mean, you could you could tweak this to make it a little bit fairer. Um, well, I mean, you could definitely tweak it to make it a lot fairer. Uh, but I, I uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think Scotha could be really cool. And the other one is, is pretty easy because it's it's literally Scotha is either going to be Demir or like uh, or uh, what's it called? What's it called? What's it called? Um, Golgari, I guess, would make sense too. But Demir fits that that name so perfectly what are we titan of eternal dark um and then um the other one being whirlwind of of flames i think that would have to be a boros card and it probably just lightning helixes your opponent every time it enters isn't isn't that wouldn't that be isn't because wind like whirlwind type of things are often like blue cards like living whirlwinds and stuff air elemental i am also looking at agar the freezing flame from kaldheim who is an is it so i mean <laughs> i guess that makes sense yeah, I, uh, if it's if it's Boros, it just lightning helixes your opponent every time it comes in and attacks. Fun. And the other one I would, and if it's if it's is it, I guess it just uh, it uh, dig through times every time it enters and, and attacks. Easy, fair magic. But yeah, I would love to see these cards and uh, just printed in general. I don't even know how I got on this. How do we get on this? How did I start talking about the Titans? Oh, uh, Grixis Giants. Oh yeah, let's do it. So we. We have clearly railed off enough, which probably means that we have run out of good ideas to talk about in terms of new decks. <laughs> so, I guess mailbag. Now, I guess mailbag. All right, Alex, you know the drill. Give us that wonderful mailbag intro, and uh, I don't have any recommendations. I guess mailbag. I guess mailbag. And uh, I don't have any recommendations. Do whatever the fuck you want. You're great. Wonderful mailbag intro.
So looking at the mailbag, I'm going to start us off because uh, I have a request on Reddit for a specific mailbag question. Um, I got it the other night from a listener uh, from the uh, cast. Their name is Lorwyn Lawmage. Uh, We have read a a thing from them before. Um, They sent me a text saying, Hi, I listen to your podcast each week, and I always like to hear what you guys say. Thank you for answering my question in a previous podcast. I was wondering if you guys could answer this question in an upcoming podcast. How do you think Blue White and Esper Control evolve with the banning of Teferi? Is there anything you could see replacing him, or do you think he'll? Uh, we will have to play a new type of deck without his influence on instant speed cards? Thank you very much for your consideration. Uh, so, Warwin Lawmage, we're going over it now. Uh, I we I touched on this earlier with uh, my direction for Blue Eye Control. I think Fortell is very interesting now because you can it just makes sense with the Narset wheels aspect. Now that might be too cute of a thing to do. Um, to be like genuinely competitive, I think it. I think it actually might have legs, but it also could just be too cute and not work. In a serious answer, I would say you just kind of go back to what control always was before Teferi, right? Like you don't have to go necessarily like Sphinx's Rev and like that elixir of uh, mortality and that kind of thing. Um, not necessarily like that, but just you go back to just studying the metagame and actually building a deck. I feel like my first instinct, and that would even be to probably drop Narset and go back into being, and, and that would actually probably involve dropping Fortel too. And I would just try and refer to like full Drago because I felt like Teferi is powerful enough to tap out for. Yeah. And once your deck is designed with, I'm going to tap out sometimes in mind, it is more it's easier to build your deck with Narset in mind, too. Where I feel like if you cut the fairy, you're probably more inclined to build your deck in a more Drago fashion, which just in turn makes Narset worse. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Narset leave these decks, too, and just revert to a much more Drago style. We're probably going to see Shark Typhoon. Maybe we're going to see cards like Syncopate be in the deck again. Oh, I love Syncopate. Ooh, Spell Pierce could come back. Ooh, speaking of speaking of lower costed blue spells, blue Mono Blue Tempo might be on the menu. Is it though? With all with if we're anticipating low to the ground aggro, do you really want to be playing Mono Blue Tempo? I mean, you can. Do you want to play Mono Blue Tempo against Burn? That sounds like a really bad time. Sir, really, and Drake. I guess that's a pretty good card. Um. Like you just—it's a free blocker. Yeah, but for for the for the direction of blue white, I would be very inclined to go much more draw go again. And again, we 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 could see like the the things like the syncopates, the horribly arise. Maybe we see like a, a lost copy of Ascent Scatter somewhere. Mm. And we just go more in in that direction. And your main engine will always be just the four opt for um was it four opt four dig through time or three dig through time that type of yeah. Drago engine which again also to me makes Fortel worse because I don't think Behold the Multiverse is a good card um, well it, it's objectively a good card but it competes with Dick Through Time so it's not Yeah, but in contextually it's not a good card objectively it's a good card and the fewer Fortel cards you can run the, the worse the package is to me so again you're not running Behold you're probably balanced between like Solid Coming and Doomscar and Solid Coming is debatable whether or not it's better. 
than many of the other ones we've got available. Yeah. Right. The more time I spend thinking about it, the lesser my opinion of Solid Coming comes. But I'm still not willing to like count it out. Like I still think the card has potential, but less than I thought it did. I will say, um, going to the idea of like Fortel and like Fortel being worse, and the idea of Narset Wheels, um, or an Azorius Wheels kind of deck. You don't give a shit about like your because we talked about this before on the cast when we first saw Fortel, we figured out what it was and saw it coming and all this. And we're like, we need this package because if it's just Doomscar, then like your opponent knows what's coming. Yeah, you know, pun intended. But with Narset Wheels, the entire intention is not giving a shit that they know the sweeper's coming. It's just like I need this to have it in my hand. I need this. I've got a nice idea. What's that? You go Esper Wheels, so you run Dream Devourer, and you make your days on doing one mana. Ooh. And you're Narset too, if need be. Gonna have to have a lot of blue mana for that turn. Yeah. But you can you can foretell your Narset and your Days Undoing, especially Days Undoing, one mana Days Undoing. And they stay they stay in foretell even if uh, Devourer dies. Yes, luckily. Could you imagine Dream Devourer dies? You're like, ah, tough luck. Card's gone. Yeah. <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be garbage design. I'd be kind of pissed. Like they were full to- they were full foretold, but I I wrote them in demonic, so nobody else can read them. Bye. Besides Quicken, are there any other cards um, that fill that Teferi slot of just his plus ability? No, but do you really care? I kind of. I mean, I, th- I think it was nice. I mean, it's it's good, but like... Sleeping on your opponent's turn it always feels great. There is, there is... I mean, I got swept on my turn today playing Elves and it felt horrible. Yeah, because Quicken, but yes. <laughs> yeah, I, ha- I had a, a whole bunch of Elves in play, and I cra- used a Pyre of Heroes to find a Shaman of the pack. And my opponent went, wait, 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 trigger on the stack, quicken verdict, and then my Skemfar Avengers made me draw 12 cards in my own turn. So that, that didn't end up very well. That didn't end up very well. Um, but like, quicken is cute, but quicken is kind of bad. Like, we have a. Uh, I don't like it. Yeah, we. Have, yeah, I don't like it. I, I want like a permanent, like, Teferi that allows you to do that. But then it's, if that's all it does, it's not good enough, I don't think. Uh, Scratch in our server is like very dedicated to blue eyed control. He's actually kind of happy to fairy got banned because now he can cut three fairy without being flamed for it. But like he still runs quicken rather than opt, and it, it it just rubs me the wrong way. I mean, while we're on the topic of boy control, you might as well read his statement that he told you that you were talking about precast. Yeah, yeah, he he had a take on this. So he plays exclusively blue white control. He's a pioneer. Again, this is his take. He was a boring three mana sorcery speed bound spell that was not fun to play and miserable to play against. I'll buy this. I agree. With him gone, instant speed control is better off now because you don't need to tap out on turn three. Now that I don't agree with. Yeah. Because nothing nothing is better in a, than playing draw go and knowing only you get to play draw go. I agree with it in the sense of um, as a format with control that it makes counter spells better and that kind of thing. But if we're talking about just oh, yeah, yeah. on the deck, then I disagree. Playing control now is so much more fun. Like I'm, I'm genuinely now looking forward to playing control again. Um, Band control is interesting to me, but I hope that uh, was it Law Mage, uh, Lorwyn Law Mage, Lorwyn Law Mage. I hope that answers your question. The, the first time you read it out, for some reason, my head made of it Lawn Mage, <laughs> and I just thought like a mage being in his front garden. But <laughs> yeah, get off my lawn. All right, so we have a, we have a few in the mailbag specifically about things that we might have actually already answered, but we can read them anyway. Yeah, I'll I'll read out Sean. I, I haven't read this fully. I'm just going to read it out now. Sean B. RS. All right, so now we know the bands. Uh, wow. The main thing I'd like to point to the two of you right now is that the flavor of Mid Rage outside of Niv, um, 
what's the flavor of mid-range outside of Niv? I feel like we are getting out to a meta full of low-to-the-ground aggro, which in itself is okay, but to the aspiring person who loves their mid-range, where do we go from here? Uh, and then this will say, oh, Niv can adapt, blah, 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 sure. Uh, note, Siege Rhino is still bad and always will be. Thanks, Sean, so I don't have to point that out to you. Um, yeah, you're, you're correct. I mean, Vampires is probably more, almost more mid-range than it is. Mid-range, mid-range is such a weird term, right? Because it generally just means slow-ass aggro. Yeah. And... <laughs> yeah, I mean, in Rakdos Arcanist is considered a mid-range deck. I would actually consider Monogreen Walkers a mid-range deck. Yeah, but it's generally most people build mid-range decks, mid-range decks, but I would never consider them control decks. So it's like some matchups you're control, sometimes you're aggro. It's like when are you control though? Do you consider it control if you run more fatal pushes than your opponent does? I mean, I guess so. But like with this point, like what flavor of mid-range? I mean, we've got Jund. Um, I mean, hey, I think Soltai is probably still good. I did. Yeah. Right. We're like it's not like Soltai is dead. We just go back to old Soltai. Right, we had Sultai before Theros. I'm telling you, Egon is so good. <laughs> Egon and Sultai would be great. We had Sultai before Theros. Yeah. So we'll have Sultai after Theros. And I, I, I don't see a reason as to why Sultai would suddenly be dead. Baby Jace is still quite the card. Yes, we've got Baby Jace. We've got Egon now. Uh, Ishkana is still... I mean, man, Ishkana against Agro. Uh, whatever else you can tutor up with um with traverse like i i I think there's you are looking in like the traverse way like the delirium way john delirium sultai delirium yeah i think so um yeah that's that is where i would be looking delirium i mean that's what i'm doing yeah also just hella fun play like Seder wayfinder decks yeah ishkana just feels great as a card in general i have won decks i've won decks i've won games with ishkana just off of it being a card that's like look at look at the value i get and like you look at it on paper in comparison to like newer cards and of course it's not quite there with like things like questing beast and stuff like that but that's why it's a one-off and you just tutor it from whatever it's insane and sometimes you just draw it and you have delirium and you're like hey (laughs) spiders and your opponent looks at all those i i can't tell you how many times my opponent is like okay i'm gonna swing in I'm like, okay, I'll block this, 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 and this. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, they have reach. And they're like, fuck. They have reach? And I'm like, they're also one twos. They're not one one? I've had that dialogue, that exact discussion so many times in playing Ishkanon. <laughs> it makes my heart flutter. It's great. I love my little spiders. Give me more epic spiders, please. Please don't. Like good spiders like Ishkanah. Give me more legendary spiders. No more spiders. Why not? I love spiders. Oh yeah, you don't you don't like the videos I sent you of like tarantulas crawling on my arm and stuff. Oh yeah, you sent me that and I was like, oh thanks. I guess I'll go to sleep in another hour. <laughs> um and then Waddles is under Sean B saying a six point life swing on a four or five body with trample for four mana is not a bad card. I mean, hey, that is a um I mean, usually when you dissect magic cards like that, they sound great. So, like, it, it's very easy to, like, point out, yes, that is what the card does. I don't know, like, obviously Siege Rhino isn't complete garbage, but, like, Absan's just really bad. Yeah. So, like, I mean, Siege Rhino saw play in Niftalite for a while. And... What's the mythos? The the Absent mythos? I still think that card's so good. 
Oh yeah, that card's really good. It's just like Upson should be at the point where you're no longer playing like Fleece Main Lion. Abzan humans. Right, or warden off the first tree. With Siege Rhino. <laughs> and why on earth would that play Siege Rhino? Because the flavor is fantastic. Look at the art of Siege Rhino. The humans are riding it into battle. I mean, the Upson are super cool. Yeah. Right, like all their all their cards and stuff are great. Like I really love the Upson, like flavor wise. Upson Charm is great too. Ooh, the charms might be good now. Is Upson Charm great? It's it's. I like it. It's just typical where it's like, yeah, it does a lot of good things, but like it's, it's like this. Um, what is it? Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah. It's kind of the problem I have with the card like Upson Charm. It's like three mana for an exile. Okay. It's an instant speed divination. For those of you who don't know what Absin Charm does, I'll let you know now. It's just like all the charms, it's exactly Abzan. So white, black, green, instant speed. Choose one. Exile target creature with power three or greater. You draw two cards and you lose two life. Distribute two plus one plus one counters among one or two target creatures. Ooh, Abzan scales. You don't play this. But I'm just saying absent scales in general. Oh, but yeah, okay, maybe absent skills, but you don't, not this. No, yeah, not this. It's just the counter that we think. We have, uh, what's it called? The the white card that goes in. Um, Conclave Mentor. Well, the, that too. But I'm talking about the, uh, the I, I played this in Historic and it feels really good. Um, until, you know, you get swept and then your opponent's at three life and you're like, I can't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, so close. And that's where the Siege Rhino comes in. Hey, Siege Rhino scales! <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Why is Rhino here? For no reason. Because I own 400 copies of Siege Rhino. <laughs> Alright, so now we go into uh, into the next question. Um, Emeron asks, so again, haven't read these, but we'll just see as we go into it. Alright, bans are done. I'm happy. I know you'll discuss them and the coming meta shift, etc. So that's not what I'm here to ask. First off, uh, so three three questions. One, first off, they actually meant a lot in Pioneer, to my surprise. But admittedly, I was expecting them to just ban Uro and only because they're banning it everywhere else. So why not ban him there too? But seeing them actually weed out other problematic cards and decks, such as Oops, has given me comfort in knowing that Watsi hasn't forgotten about us. Curious if you guys feel the same. I never thought they forgot about us. I'm not entirely sure. Like, I feel like... I think the main thing that made me feel like have they just forgotten about Pioneer is how they kept endlessly delaying Pioneer Masters. You know, they kind of actually... Uh, uh, Pioneer on Arena. Yeah, but... And, like, it's it's been a long time with Pioneer at this, but would I say they... I'm not sure if it makes me like I really thought they'd forgotten us, but I had some doubt, and that doubt is now gone. So, yeah, in that sense, I, I feel similar to uh, to Emeron here. One, one thing that people have always looked and pointed to, or towards, um when it comes to like their lack of faith in Watsi's, I guess, faith in Pioneer, um, is they look at like the bands, right? Look how long it took them to ban Inverter and things like that. Now, I would just sit there and just be like, they did the same thing with, uh, uh, what's it called? Marvel and Standard. They pointed to data and they're like, we shouldn't be banning this card, but y'all want to stop complaining. So here, we'll ban all of them. That's how I always look at that ban list. Like, I will never look at it like Watsi wanted to do it, but rather they felt like they had to. But they did address that idea in the most recent ban announcement. They kick off the article saying, throughout the past year, with pandemic conditions resulting in fewer high-level tabletop tournaments, 
we correspondingly slowed the pace of banned and restricted list changes in non-rotating formats. Recent community discussion has made it clear that many fans of those formats are interested in seeking shakeups to those metagames. Today's changes represent us taking a close look at each of historic, pioneer, modern, legacy, and vintage in responding to both play data and community feedback. So I guess this is my mailbag question to you, Alex. Do you think this sets a precedent where they're maybe a little less hesitant to like let things play the course for like four or five months at a time? I mean, probably, yeah. Like, it, it would be surprising because now, yeah, they said they're like, we don't want to shake it up too much when, you know, not as many people are playing it in paper, which I feel like is a very strange mm-hmm. way to go about things. I would say if more people are playing online, where generally speaking, people's card collections are much more fluid because they do it to like rental services and that sort of thing rather than actually owning the card. Like, I feel like very few people on MTGO actually own all their decks. Like, probably no one does, right? So if everyone's playing online, I would say it is a time where you can almost be faster about banning things because you need to care less. The, the, the factor of, like, yeah, but people own these cards is actually less, like, has been less for the past year. So I would give that almost as a reason why you should ban cards quicker, like, rather than... Or at least, it, I don't see that as a valid reason to ban slower but anyway the fact that this was their reasoning and we're now slowly moving back into paper magic and people actually owning cards i would say yeah they're probably going to be a little bit quicker on the draw i think it's a good thing which is probably a good thing now a friend of mine asked after this ban announcement because he hasn't he hasn't been in touch with magic uh, for a while aside from the occasional commander game he just asked me like straight up is Magic just Yu-Gi-Oh now? Like, is this game just, like, perpetually unbalanced? Mm. And just every month, we just wait for the next ban list to roll in to see how we're going to be unbalanced now? I'll say not quite. Not quite. No, I'd say we're, we're not there. But I do feel like, man, Wizard's going to have to be careful. And it just, because this just gave me such a wrong signal. Right, when I just, someone came into the forum, I was like, we Yu-Gi-Oh now? I was like, God, hell no. Like, I, I don't want to be Yu-Gi-Oh. Not even because, like, ridiculous power creep and weird art, but also because I just, you, you're giving me the look. Yu-Gi-Oh is some weird art. Yeah, because it's the Japanese waifu thing. Like, 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 why is one of the main graveyard hate cards like a little ghost girl that is clearly like a six-year-old that got murdered? Like, that's just weird. But anyway. Oh, I, I, I love the ghost girls. They're all great. All the ghost girls are fantastic. Yeah, but it's kind of weird that they're like ghost girls. Like, why is this the hate card? Um, It probably has something to do with Japanese culture, I'm sure. I mean, probably, yeah. I'm probably like they're they're much more open with death than Western cultures are, which I think is great. But like you know, remember we talked about this: the Shadow Realm is not real in the in the actual original anime or manga. They just fucking die. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what happens when they had chainsaws strapped to the or they had chainsaws coming to them when they're strapped and playing the duel in the in the Dark Magician uh, mirror match. They weren't magical chainsaws that sent your soul to the Shadow Realm. They just cut your legs off and you die. <laughs> That's the that's the premise of the original, but whatever. Yeah, but so are we gonna? Um, okay. Now the second question is interesting. After the bans, how do you think this will affect players' eyes on our format? Since we are no longer just the Euro constructed slash banned standard format. I mean, we have Pioneer's gonna be a huge uptick. Already has. Yeah, we have touched on this. It looks great. If if people could like, everyone's had their initial takes. Haha, good meme. Does Pioneer still exist? You're very funny, but like. Stop memeing. This format's real and it's really fun. Yeah. And an hour before we 
recorded. I'm not sure if this I said this on the recording or not. Like Saffron Olive tweeted out, like, hey, I've been playing Pioneer in three leagues today. Um format seems great. And I, I, I hope that all these like people, all these content creators that like memed about Pioneer, I think LSV was also interested in it again. I think someone said, like, oh, you know, I think it's pretty good that LSV is interested because you know he draws a lot of eyes. Um I think content creators can like quote unquote take the I mean, I wouldn't call it responsibility, but like try it out again. Uh, I feel like they will. I feel like they kind of have to, right? So if you follow any content creators that like have denounced Pioneer, yeah, please like encourage them to give it another go. Because man, this format just—it honestly just sounds so great. Like I, I feel like the format's just super great now. I think it's gonna be. I mean, modern looks really nice now, but it might be the best. And it's yeah. Oh, modern looks great too. But like Pioneer. It just like it was known for like oh yeah but stupid combo winter Euro pile format and it's literally just neither now and it's no longer and like everything that people felt was crap about Pioneer just no longer exists and now it's like hey do you want to shuffle for fifteen minutes while playing your modern match me neither come here so third question finally Pioneer Masters curious how soon you guys think it will come since they obviously care more about our format than I previously thought. So much to my pleasant surprise. We have touched on this before. Uh, I feel like it can... You can take this question two ways, though. Are we talking about the Arena Pioneer Masters or the actual paper Pioneer Masters? Because I think both are inevitable. We know the Arena one's coming. Just just make just so we're out of here. Pioneer Masters is not Pioneer Horizons. Those are two separate things. Yes, yes. Masters is like a reprint set. Out. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Master, Masters is the reprint set words uh where we're just going to get cards like thought seas because they're expensive can't can't they sometimes or is that not how it works can they sometimes print cards can you print cards into a format through a, through a master set or do they not no 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 okay the master set is purely reprints just for the sake of oh yeah that, yeah that, that yeah because forcible would be modern right now if that was the case because of the most recent double masters yeah, and it was an Eternal Masters, I think, too, Modern uh, Force of Will. Yeah. But uh, th- but that was based on Eternal Masters was definitely with Legacy, and I believe even Vintage in mind. Sure. But, um, I mean, a particular Pioneer Masters set, I wouldn't be surprised if before we get a Master, that would just be an Eternal Masters, and it would also have Pioneer cards in it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, that could happen. Um, a particular Pioneer Masters, I mean, the, the, the Arena one is coming around Summer. Which is, I mean, again, embarrassing with how long that took. Yeah. Frankly, embarrassing. And we still won't even have complete. Pioneer. Yeah, and that's going to be like a master set. So it's probably we're gonna we're probably like seven master sets away from having a respectable amount of pioneer cards on arena, which is just embarrassing. And they said they want to have a look at like the, the reason they put on the back burners because they want to have a look at the limited like environment. And I'm like, yeah, bullcrap. That means we're gonna get even less cards relevant for pioneer now because they're they're taking away slots that could be like actual like staples where now they're like limiteds in mind it's frustrating yeah it just for this it just screw limited give us the format right but that i mean screw limited is almost always my take on magic related things so i'll uh stop commenting <laughs> limited's great kids but like an actual pioneer pioneer reprint set just for the sake of paper i mean honestly whenever they feel like printing money right it, it it it's really hard to put your finger on that, but I feel like every master set, unless they make like absolutely terrible ones, like iconic masters, which is probably like the most embarrassing master set of all time. Um, it's like if they want to print money, just put thought season packs. I put thought season packs. Put shocklands in packs. 
you make you you are on the PR department, right? For Magic, you're on the marketing team. You get to design the box and the pack art for Pioneer Masters. Who is the face of Pioneer when you put on the art for the first Pioneer Masters set? I mean, it's usually a couple, right? Yeah, but let's 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 say there's three because they have they all have their own solo shot on the different packs. So three. I mean, I suppose. Hmm. I, I, the first one that comes to mind for me is Monastery Swift Spare. I had the same thought, yeah. Is one I'd probably put on. I mean, that's not... There is a reason she's on our playmat, right? Because we've thought, well, we want Pioneer Staples, and I always think Monastery Swift... It's also just like a really beautiful-looking card, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Monastery Swift Spare, probably Nyssa, who shakes the world. May know Nykthos. I think Nykthos, because I think this is like one of the formats where devotion can really shine. I mean, we only see mono green, but I feel like it can be very iconic. Probably just like Swift Spear, Nykthos, and Croxa or something. Or Pyromancer. I mean, that's all red cards, but... (laughs) (laughs) The first one I thought of is is Elvish. Can we put Llanowar Elf and Elvish Mystic on one pack, like back-to-back? Probably, yeah. Probably could do that. Like tag-teaming. Because I always feel like Elvish Mystic doesn't get enough love. Oh, instead of Nissio Shakes the World art, just do Oath of Nissa's art. Oh, yeah, that works. So, like, Swift Spare, Oath of Nissa, and... Maybe Thoughtseize art? I mean, Mystical Dispute if we keep it legal. Oh, oh my god, this would be their chance to print... Thoughtseize? The the new art, the Thoughtseize, the Amonkhet art. Come on! Oh, Collected Company could also be on. Oh, yeah. Oh, and this would, this would, oh, the Pioneer Master set needs to happen purely for the sake of giving me art that that replaces the Noah Bradley art for like Approach of the Second Son, Anger of the Gods, and stuff like that. Because A, f- Noah Bradley, and B, the new art that's Amonkhet inspired, like in Rest in Pieces as well, they're all phenomenal, better than the originals. Yeah, okay, so to continue with some of the other mailbag, my finals would be, um, lost my train of thought now. Um, collected company, monastery, swift, spare, and thoughtsies. Those are probably the three I would put on. Yeah, I like it. All right, see what other. Oh, actually, I think that was myself. To get... That was the last one. We got a we got a quick thing to add a thumbs we up. Got a quick thing from because uh... I saw we got literally like things coming in. Well, this is uh, this is different. This is more of a joke. Emrion said on a separate note. When Nikachu Merfolk Master was reading over the BNR yesterday, he mentioned how Spy and Understanding Informer are going to make no freaking sense to new players. And I think that's hilarious, TPH. I like the idea that they see it and think, damn, Demir Mill must have been really powerful in this format. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I find that really funny. That's a, that's a good one. There are some strange ones. When I am... Um, <laughs> the best I one into the modern. one of you. Fine, I'll do it myself. <laughs> the what was it the um is it blazing soul from um what that's on modern span list when i was new into magic and i saw modern blazing Soul is um i think it's x and a red mm-hmm. but instead you may exile it a red card from your hand and that replaces the x whether it's cmc so it's i think it's i think it's colorless x let me let me just whip it up so i'm not spitballing I have it up right now. So Blazing Shoal. Uh, it's X, double red, instant arcane. You may remove a red card with converted mana cost X in your hand from the game rather than pay Blazing Shoal's mana cost. Target creature gets plus X plus O until end of turn. Yeah, why do you think this is broken, Brad? It's like Force of Will for Burn. No, what 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 have what I told you it goes to well really well with the card Dragonstorm? Oh. Where, where, do you, where do you think it's good? This is your pop quiz. Hmm... 
Brad, it's really good with infect. <laughs> oh, shit. Like, really good with infect. Because you you can now go turn one glistening elf, and on turn two, you can hold up two protection spells and immediately swing for ten infect. That's why it's way too good. But Blazing Shoal's like, man, this is a really inefficient pump spell when you're new to the format. Jesus. Yeah. I also just love how there's probably other red cards, but they just went with Dragonstorm. Like, I, I, I just love that idea. It's a card that has, like, no other use at all, but it's like, this is nine mana, and I like the art. <laughs> and you can get you, you can get yourself an old Dragon Scorch from, uh, Dragonstorm from Scourge. Search your library for a dragon permanent card and put it onto the battlefield. Then shuffle your library. Shuffle your Storm. We love Storm. This card is hilarious in EDH, by the way. Oh, I'm sure it is. Most most cards that look bad and constructed are hilarious in EDH. <laughs> yeah, but this this is... Um, I have a friend, and there's this red land from Lorwyn. You know all these conditional lands from Lorwyn that, like, I think Mossward Bridge is from there, too? All the hideaway lands. Yeah. Where you put a card underneath, and then if you meet a certain condition, you can spend only one color, like, in case this one is one red. And the activation cost is someone takes seven damage this turn. So in EDH, someone just had, had like, a big turn and, like, cast a bunch of spells, then went to combat, just hit someone for seven. And then someone's like, all right, one red, Dragonstorm, find 12 dragons. It's a pretty good rate. One mana and tapping your lands for 12 dragons of your choice. There are certain things I'm glad Pioneer doesn't have. Storm is one of them. Oh, yes. And I think Cascade as well. Though, in fact, I'm interested in. No. Like, like... I don't like... I already don't like we got it with Finn. Like, no. That's poison. That's different. <laughs> it's the literal same. Infect applies poison counters. Poison. I mean, yeah, okay, Infect and Poisonous are two different mechanics. Oh, what's the... But they, they're, they're the same counters. Okay, you know what I want? I want, uh, what is it? What's the what's the uh, the Banshee card? Uh, Midnight Banshee? Midnight Banshee. Yeah, there it is. So, Midnight Banshee. I want Wither. That's what I want. I want Wither and Pioneer. Oh, Wither is cool. You know why I want Wither, Alex? Apatra. Yes. Let me play Apatra and Pioneer. God. Give me all the cards that like I would put in Apatra in Modern, just in Pioneer, and it would still not be good. No. So, like, who cares? Give it to me. <laughs> also, the art in Midnight Banshee is uh, phenomenal. Really sweet. But I don't think we have any more... Uh, we don't have any more mailbag questions. So I suppose we uh, we just go down to uh, Reminders Out the Door. Yes. So, first and foremost, this podcast is brought to you by the MTG at Home Discord server. We are the Pioneer Perspective, and there are other podcasts shared underneath this wonderful umbrella that is MTG at Home, our sister podcast, Pondering Popper, featuring Calicaz and Diego. If you know Calicaz, you know him specifically as the, uh, I'm blanking on the, not Tron, well, I mean, yes, kind of, Flickertron, the Flickertron player of, uh, of, uh, of Popper. Very big content creator in the Popper community. And uh, Diego's fantastic as well. They're both incredibly intelligent, wonderful. And the first ever episode is up on Spotify now under Pondering Popper. So you got that. Next, if you want to find any of our cool information, big brain thoughts, deck lists, brews, and the occasional rant, where can they find us, Alex? For me, it's simple. It's on Twitter, at Disciple of Bolos. Uh, again, 
as I say every week, this is generally where I post deck lists. If I'm building, if I'm brewing something, building something, I come up with a deck list. It immediately goes on the Twitter. Uh, occasional tournament reports, retweeting memes, trying to keep most things magic related, and uh, and obviously on the Discord too. But can I? I can. Can I have a little thing on the Discord? I am technically flagged as an admin. <laughs> I am not, in fact, an admin, but because of the laziness of everyone else, if I need to see the admin resources, I have to be flagged as an admin. If you have any admin questions, do not come to me. If you want to talk about anything else, even not magic related, feel free. But if you're like, hey, I have this admin thing, I'm not your guy. I am not your guy. I have no idea. I know as much as you do. It's like, hey, this bot doesn't work. It's like, sometimes I feel like I'm like, more like, more like a messenger. Because sometimes I go in the Brad could say I go in the admin chat. It's like someone sent me this problem. Please help. Because <laughs> I just have no idea what to do. Now everyone knows how IT works. When you make that phone call and you're like, "Customer service, can can you help me out?" Yeah, let me put you on hold real quick. And it's just them asking everyone else, "What the fuck do I do?" And that's <laughs> that's me. <laughs> you can also find me on Twitter and literally any other form of social media under Brad Cipher, Bradcifer. B R E D C I F E R. I put up stuff on Twitter. I also put up, you know, some sports stuff, which is why Alex doesn't follow me. (laughs) (laughs) So it is what it is. Um, You can also follow our official Twitter at Pio Perspective. We post updates on new episodes, just general conversation and just questions for the community. Um, As well as you can follow the MTG at Home uh, Twitter account, which is at MTG at Home, AT Home. And uh, yeah. Next up, we have products. You can go to inkgaming.com in the link in the description. We have two of them. We have our affiliate program with them. You can click the link and and just get any product whatsoever, and that helps out and supports the show. We always appreciate it. As well as we have our own official store where you can get actual Pioneer Perspective merch. Currently playmats, and I'm currently looking to add other stuff. If you have any feedback on what you would like to see, let me know. You can DM me on Twitter, find me on the Discord server, or you can leave it up as a mailbag question for the MTG at Home Discord server. So if you join the MTG at Home Discord server, you can leave us mailbag questions and you can be featured on any episode whatsoever when we get to it. They can be magic related or literally anything else. Just make sure it's not anything politically charged, not safe for work, and just don't be a dick. Easy peasy lemon squeezy you could also just like warwin uh did just dm me on twitter or whatever or like reddit we'll put you on a mailbag too but we want to encourage you to hop in the server and play some paper magic with us and with that i think that's everything deep breath and alex are you excited to play some pioneer i am definitely if there's anything to get from this episode we are excited we hope you are too and next week I expect to see a lot of cool brews. This next challenge should be interesting. But with that, we'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.